Hi, this is Mark, lead pastor of Lux Digital Church. I want to thank you for joining us today and also invite you to join with us live at twitch.tv slash Church every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. EST. Thank you for joining us and please enjoy this message. What's up, church family? Uh, pastor Mark here. And uh, man, we're so excited to have you here with us tonight. It's so good to have you at Lux Digital Church. Uh, like I said, my name is Mark. I am uh, the pastor here at Lux. Want to say hello, hello, hello to you, especially, man, if you're here for the first time. Uh, ALB Seth, might not be your first time here, but man, I'm excited that you're here with us. I'm so glad to have you here. Welcome to our church and anybody else who might be in here for the very first time. I see some amens coming up in chat. Man, we just want to challenge you and encourage you if you're here for the first time to drop a comment in the chat, to drop a follow here on the stream. Let us know that you're here. In fact, I actually want someone from our team, give me gibbles and bits to unfollow and refollow the stream because we actually added alerts this week for the very first time, which is super exciting to me. We've never had alerts on the stream. And, and you know what? I'll ask him to do that and then it won't work. But, you know, we added alerts to the stream, which is really exciting. Then I want to welcome you here with us tonight it's so exciting to be here with you uh it's so so uh, so like pumped up inside the studio tonight and i hope it is wherever you are um and if you are here for the very first time man check us out on discord come and get plugged in with us there it is gibbles and bits with the alert up there in the corner you can get that too if you're here for the first time and you want to drop a follow here in the chat templar doing the same appreciate you um if you're joining us later over youtube or vod or over podcast we just want to let you know you're a valued member of our family and we appreciate you listen we started lux digital church inside the gaming community because i've spent my life following jesus but i have also spent my life as a gamer i've spent the last decade pastoring inside the local church and on top of that i have also spent the last 20 plus years playing almost every type of game everything from video games board games tabletop rpgs the entire way to larping my life has been full of basically anything i could get my hands on that would be nerdy and what i found was that so often because i went to church i felt guilty about the fact that i was also a gamer i frequently felt as though the church or god looked down on my passion and love for gaming in fact over multiple times in my life i've tried to root gaming out of my life entirely until i began to realize that god actually made me with a bent towards gaming and not only that but a heart for gamers. And so God sent us on this insane journey of starting a church that was entirely online, that was built within the network and the fabric of the gaming community here on Twitch and also on Discord. And man, it is just such a pleasure to have you here with us tonight. If you're a gamer or you're not a gamer, we're really, really glad that you're here. And just about six months ago, God sent me and my wife and an amazing team of people from all across the globe on this incredible journey to start Lux Digital Church. And you get to play a part in that story with us tonight. And we're so honored and privileged that you've decided to stop by giving us a portion of your Wednesday night, or if you're listening in later, a portion of your day at some point. It's a privilege to be part of your life and part of your spiritual journey. Here at Lux, we're coming to the end of a 12-week teaching series on the book of Galatians as we have been looking in-depth chapter by chapter and verse by verse 
at a letter written by a man named Paul to a group of churches that existed in what is now known as Turkey. At that point, it was Galatia. Paul had gone on multiple long trips, and when he would go on these multiple year-long trips, he would start churches in small Greek and Roman towns all around the Mediterranean Sea. And a grouping of those churches was started in Galatia. And he wrote a letter to them because after he had been there and he had taught them the ways of God, listen, these guys had no idea what he was talking about. The teachings of Paul was absolutely foreign and strange and out there. The Galatians lived in a pantheon society, meaning they had many gods. They lived in what we talked about last week, which is this linear relationship between them and their deity, where if they did the right things, they would get good things. And if they did enough right things, perhaps they would end up in a good place one day. In particular, the Greek and the Roman gods were a bit fickle, but this was true all across the board. The Aztecs across the ocean had gods. The Egyptians, 1,400 miles south, had a pantheon of gods that they worshipped. In fact, the Egyptian like lore and mythology is incredibly intriguing to my wife and I, and we have actually studied and looked at a lot of sort of ancient Egyptian beliefs and practices that was so rooted in their understanding of their faith and their understanding of the gods. Hundreds of years later in the north, the Vikings would create their own pantheon of gods, people that would create rules and rights and regulations that they needed to appease a grouping of beings in hopes that one day they would get to heaven. And the, the Galatians ask that same question over and over again. It's a question that we've asked throughout the series. How good is good enough? How good is good enough? Because that was the only question that they knew to ask. Because in their life, you just had to be good enough or do the right things or make the right sacrifices to earn your spot on the God's good side. But Paul came to them and told them that that's not the way the world works, that there's actually a God that's above all other gods that loves them so much and desperately wants a relationship with them to such a degree that he sent his own son to die for them. And that this grace was a free gift that they no longer needed to pay tribute to the rites and religions of the past. But instead, if they placed their faith in Jesus, they would get a chance at new life and receive something called the Holy Spirit, which we're going to dive into in our series tonight. And once they did that, that they would have this new and refreshing relationship with a being that had not only created him, them, but also sacrificed himself for them. In our world, we have grown up at least with some understanding of what Christians believe and what the church teaches. But the church's teaching was brand new, only less than a generation old. The Greeks had never heard about anything like this before. The Romans, the Egyptians, they had never heard anything like this God preached before. They had only known and only encountered cultures that had known the gods of pantheons, not a singular God that desired a relationship with them. They had only known the gods of linear relationship where I do something and I get something in return, where you held the keys to control that you could appease the deities and earn your spot in heaven one day. But Paul says this is not an earning of it. There is salvation that is offered as a free gift and then we live in reflection of it. 
And although the Galatians were asking the same question over and over again, how good is good enough, they had begun actually adopting the Jewish ways and the Jewish laws. So there's a group of people who came in after Paul to his churches to disturb them and told them that in order to be a follower of Jesus, you actually had to become a Jew first, meaning you had to follow all of the Jewish ways and religions, the things that the Jews had done for hundreds of years to try to appease their God. And Paul wrote this letter to basically debunk that and say, no, that's not true at all. But actually, in the end of chapter five, Paul shifts gears. We have attacked that thing from every single angle for the past nine weeks. But in tonight's passage, it's actually what happens after you embrace the free gift that is found in Jesus Christ and how that actually transforms your life. It's probably the most quoted and important passage in all of the book of Galatians. The church now for hundreds of years has called it the passage that highlights something called the fruit of the spirit. It's incredibly powerful. And tonight we're going to dive into that section, but I'm going to start with just the first verse. So I say, and this is Paul. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. And let me just tell you this, man. Maybe you don't understand that. Maybe that statement is confusing to you. What does it mean? If you didn't grow up inside the church, let the Holy Spirit guide your life? Is that some sort of mystical force? Is that like the force from Star Wars? And to be honest with you, I grew up in the church and I still had virtually no understanding whatsoever of what it meant to let the Holy Spirit guide your life. For me, the Holy Spirit was like the wind in the trees or the force from Star Wars. In fact, I thought about it a lot like the force from Star Wars. And as someone who grew up during the precursor era, well, Star Wars was big, but not great. <laughs> just, let's just be honest. And so for me, and my understanding of what the Holy Spirit was, I viewed him as this sort of, this nameless, cosmic, genderless entity. This, this piece of sort of what, like the life force, maybe the circle of life that, that goes through and is sung about in The Lion King. That was my understanding of what the Holy Spirit was. But that was not at all confusing to the Galatians. You see, when they received this letter from Paul and he said, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, they actually knew exactly what he was talking about because they had experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, when the first church started, it wasn't powerless or weak like the church appears today. It didn't appear to be outdated, nor did it appear to be useless or temporary even. No, the first church was thriving within this supernatural, unbelievable power. In fact, in the book of Acts, we're told on the first day of the church, this power, like the sound of a mighty wind and things that looked like fire came down on the heads of the first church fathers. And when they went out into the streets, they spoke and proclaimed what had happened with Jesus. But everybody from every nationality who was in the city for a celebration heard them in their own native languages although none of these men spoke those languages. And on that day, this supernatural occurrence caused 3,000 people to embrace Jesus and become baptized. And through that, the church was born. And everywhere that the church fathers went, with them went the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. 
As Peter would walk down the streets of Jerusalem, people would try to get into his shadow or touch the hem of his cloak because they would be healed of being crippled or being sick or, 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 or having something going wrong inside of their bodies. They would be healed of pain. When Paul would go to places, people would embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. He would pray on them and they would receive the Holy Spirit and they would speak in languages they did not know. There's actually a passage when Paul talks for so long that a man falls asleep, a boy falls asleep, falls out of a window and dies on the ground and Paul prays over him and raises him to life. Now, it doesn't take a lot to convince people that they should come to church when the guy who's inviting you to church is raising people from the dead. When you saw a boy fall out of a third-story window onto a cobblestone street and his head get cracked, and then a man lays his hands on him and he stands up whole and healed, it doesn't take a lot to convince people, man, there's something going on here. But this was the power that existed inside the church, and it's the power that can exist inside the church and inside of you and me today. It was supernatural. There was no evangelism tactics. There was no apologetics. There was no attempt to try to explain things to people. They showed up. People experienced supernatural occurrences. They asked the disciples and the apostles what it was about. They told them about Jesus and people embraced Jesus as Savior and Lord. It was a truly supernatural and miraculous time. And there has been moments throughout history where the Holy Spirit has moved in that way before. But the important thing that I have to ask you tonight, which I think might be one of the most important things we asked throughout the series is what is guiding your life or who is guiding your life because when paul says to the galatians that they need to allow the holy spirit to guide their life they knew exactly what that meant because they had firsthand experience with the supernatural power of the spirit of god for a working definition the holy spirit is the third part of the trinity a full-blown person part of the very nature of god it is the Spirit of God that guides, convicts, directs those who call themselves followers of Jesus. The Bible actually teaches that when we embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord, that the Holy Spirit takes up residence within our lives to guide and to whisper to us. However, in my experience, most Christians don't follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit because they're completely unfamiliar with his voice. They have never familiarized themselves with the voice of the Spirit. They've either assumed that God doesn't want to speak to them, or just to be honest with you, the enemy doesn't usually keep us evil. He just keeps us busy and exhausted. And here's the reality. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to lead, guide, and direct your life. Actually wants to show you the paths to eternal life. Actually cares about more than just your eternal destination, but wants you to experience life in the full and now. But the Holy Spirit does not compete for direction in your life. In my experience, the Holy Spirit never intrudes in my life and says, quit listening to the ways of the world and turn your attention towards me. No, the Holy Spirit 
isn't bossy and frequently will not speak if I allow louder voices into my life to speak and to direct me. So when I allow my own arrogance or my own busy schedule, my own worries, my anxieties, when I allow my fears or my greed or just my selfish desires to control and direct my life, I very rarely hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me because the Holy Spirit does not compete in our lives for directing our lives. He desires to direct the life of every believer into unity and into new life, but he won't compete for direction in your life. So who is guiding your life? When the Holy Spirit is guiding your life, Paul says it will be easy to see. You'll be able to recognize it. He actually says this in the next portion of his letter. He says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. There is a war that is going on inside of us. There is a battle. The Holy Spirit and our own sinful nature are in a fight together for the direction of our lives as followers of Jesus. And the, whole, the sinful nature craves comfort and pride and pleasure and will take every opportunity it can to grab those things at the expense of anyone and anyone, the sinful nature actually desires to bankrupt, an bankrupt another person's peace in order to provide peace for yourself. The sinful nature desires to bankrupt somebody else's self-worth to give yourself self-worth. The sinful nature desires for you not to turn to God for everything that you were created for, for your deepest desires and the longings of your life, but says, no, what I want you to do is I want you to go to the world and I want you to rob other people who are the image bearers in the nature of God himself. I want you to rob them of the things that they need instead of going to the Father who has infinite resources for the things that you need. And so the sinful nature is at war with our body because it's easier for me to see Greg, it's easier for me to see you than it is for me to see God. It's easier for me to be seeing Sheebs or Private Ryan or my wife or my children. And so I'll go to my wife and I'll seek the very things that I should be turning to God for a feeling of self-worth, a feeling of being valued. And I'll go to her and I'll set her up to compliment me because I want to rob her of something in order to fulfill a need that I have myself because I haven't turned to the father or been directed by the spirit of God to receive those things from the only source of life that I have in my life which is God himself. And when we stop listening to the voice of the spirit and we begin listening to the voice of the flesh, what we end up doing is robbing life and sucking life from those around us to make ourselves feel good, but it never slakes our desire or our lust for more. So instead we go back again and again, trying to rob other people of peace and life and hope so that we can get some for ourselves instead of going to the source of peace and of life and of hope. There is a fight, there is a war that is going on inside of us. So if there's a war going on inside of us and I am weak and feeble and broken, Mark, and God is infinitely powerful, omnipresent, all places, all powerful God, 
How is it that if there's a fight going on between me and him for control of my life, how do I keep winning? How is it that instead of loving my wife, I selfishly drain from her life in order to fulfill my own? Instead of being a better father to my daughters, I become a worse father because of my own insecurities. How is it that I become a worse pastor instead of a better pastor? If the Holy Spirit is in my life, why isn't the Holy Spirit winning? And the reality is, for the most part, we simply haven't trained our ear to hear the movement and the voice of the Spirit in our life. The Bible actually says that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And too often, the shepherd of today's generation of Jesus' followers is not Jesus, it's the culture. And we are wooed by the propaganda of left and right, of vax and Novaks, we are wooed and we are pulled in because we have familiarized ourselves with the voice of the culture. And so we're drawn to what pertains to us most and we take up arms against people who are our brothers and sisters. Instead of standing hand in hand with them in prayer, they become our enemies instead of being our allies because we take from their life instead of going to the source of life. Because we haven't trained our ears to hear the voice of the spirit, we've trained our ears to the voice and the shouts of the culture because it's louder and the spirit will not and does not compete for direction in your life he will utter it but he won't compete and so we have to learn to actually tune our ear to the voice of god and the movement of the spirit because that's how we come in tune and begin connecting to the source of life and instead of being those who suck life and drain life and destroy the life and peace in others we become the source of life we become a conduit through which God can pour through us. So how do we know? How do we know when we're under the leadership of the Holy Spirit? And how do we know when we're under the leadership of the flesh and the sinful nature? Let's look at Paul's words. He says, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And let me tell you, in the days of the Roman Empire, Paul knew what these looked like. And let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What? For the last nine weeks, we've been talking about the fact that through Jesus, we receive salvation. And through that salvation, we are free from the law. But here Paul comes in and says, no, if, if you're listening to the voice of the flesh, you're going to be all sorts of sexual morality and impurity. You're going to be into lustful pleasures and jealousy. You're going to be angry and quarreling and selfish and divisive. And I thought that once I accepted Jesus and I placed my faith in him, then I could go on living however I wanted. But that's the common deception. That's the common deception that's come up in the evangelical church, which is that God only cares about your eternal destination, but God has actually come to give you life and give it in the full here and now and in completion in the life to come. Too often we've been tricked into believing that God only cares about where we end up when we die, but doesn't care about who we are and how we live and how we experience him here and now while we walk this earth through both toil and blessing. I have a friend, and um, I'm not going to share his name because I didn't ask, so we're going to call him Tim. 
I was friends with Tim as at a young age. Tim grew up inside of my youth group. He went to our church. He was friends with my brother. And so I knew Tim pretty well. He actually came on some family things with us and I knew him as we were growing up. But Tim had two lives. Tim came to youth group each week and Tim actually played in the youth group worship band and he was really involved. But on the weekends, Tim lived a life that was very different. Tim was kind of like a chameleon, depending on what group of people he was with, he would sort of bend himself to fit in with that group. Because to Tim, his most basic desire and the voice that was loudest and the one that he was listening to for direction in his life was this desperate need to be accepted, to be embraced, to fit. Tim needed more than anything else in life to fit. And he was willing to do whatever it took to be accepted. And so when he was at youth group and at church and he'd be told, you know, it'd be really cool if you played in the worship band, he would put on that face and he would play in the worship band. And when he went out with his friends on the weekend and they said, it'd be really cool if you did a line of Coke, he would do a line of Coke. And this was just sort of the lifestyle that he had. In fact, there were moments where it was almost jaw dropping for me when he would tell me about some of his experiences and some of the decisions that he made and situations that he was in. And to be honest with you, it's kind of hard at this stage in my life for my jaw to drop. I've heard a lot of things. And I had heard a lot of things even when I was young about the things that people would, but I would be shocked. I would be genuinely surprised. I remember one time when he called me and he told me a situation that he was in about 10 or 15 years ago. And, and I was just, I just couldn't believe it. Like I was glad that I was on the phone because I knew the look on my face would have been a look that was shocked because he just so desperately needed to feel like he belonged. And that was the strongest voice of direction in his life. And it actually got to the point um, where I was sitting down with him at one point and, and he was just at the end of his rope. So he had, he, had, he had listened to the voice of his flesh and he had robbed people of what life they had in order to fulfill himself. And, and he was continually thirsty and hungry for more. He was never, ever satisfied. That desire to be pleased, that desire to fit in, that, that desire to be part of something had never been appeased in him. No matter what he did, no matter what lengths he went to or what road he traveled, that was the voice that he was listening to. And it had led him to complete and total utter destruction, places he never believed that he would go. And I remember sitting down with him one time and he was contemplating ending his life. And I know that this is September 1st. It's actually the beginning of Suicide Awareness Month. I didn't even know that as I was getting prepared to talk about this. Uh, Gibbles and Bits told me that tonight, actually. But I was sitting with him and he was like, you know, if I end my life, am I going to go to heaven? Because I, I believe in Jesus and I've accepted him as my Savior and Lord, but I just don't want to do this life anymore. I've traveled this road far enough. I've gone far enough and I'm just done. But the only thing that's keeping me from ending my existence here is not knowing what my existence there is going to be like. So Mark, do you think if I ended my life tonight that I would be in heaven? Because I'm ready to go home. And I remember very specifically this relate this conversation because I, I didn't know how to even interact with his rationale. His logic said, if you accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord and that lets you go to heaven, why wouldn't you just accept Jesus and die? Because I just want to be in heaven. I just want to be away from pain. See, what Tim didn't realize is that God intended for him to have eternal life with him. But more than that, God intended Tim to have life and life to the full here and now. 
But he had listened not to the voice of the spirit which was within him, but to the voice of the flesh which was dominating him and he was enslaved to. And unable to break free from that slavery and not knowing that he had not yet tuned his ear to the spirit, he was ready to throw in the towel. He was done. The spirit had exhausted everything that he had. Not the spirit. The flesh had exhausted everything that he had. It had taken everything from him as he took from everyone around him. Let me look at this next passage of scripture at the end of the section. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. No, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and they are cruci- and have crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Eventually, Tim fell off the map. I, I didn't hear from him. I didn't know what happened to him. Until one day I got a text from Tim out of the blue. And he's like, hey, I changed some stuff in my life and I'd love to talk to you about it. Could we meet up and grab some lunch? And I'll just be honest with you. I didn't want to meet up with Tim. Tim is messy. He's super messy. And I, I, like, I felt like my life was better off not having Tim in it. My life was less messy. I, I didn't really want to meet with him, but you know, he really wanted to get together. So I was like, sure, dude, like, we'll meet up. And so on a Sunday afternoon, I was working at New Life at the time. And I went out and met him. And I actually walked into the restaurant to meet him for a sub. And I didn't see him there. And I thought, man, he ditched me. Here he was there, but his outward appearance had changed so radically, and not for the worse, for the better, that I literally didn't recognize him. Tim had gotten into some bands, and he was playing a lot of bar shows. He was in a cover band and running around a lot, doing a lot of partying and drinking throughout the couple of years that I had you know, lost contact with him. And during that time, he had gotten connected with a young man who was a Satanist, and he had started sort of dabbling in some of those things. And he had a supernatural experience that he couldn't deny. And suddenly this deep realization that there was something in this world that he couldn't see, something beyond what he could perceive. And all of the things that he had heard in church and youth group growing up just came flooding back to him. And he quit everything cold turkey, everything, all of the addictions he was just done with. And, and he quit hanging out, quit being going to the bars, quit doing all this stuff. And he just showed up in church with his aunt at a Lutheran church. And um, he didn't know where to go, and he didn't know what to do, but he knew he could no longer listen to the voices and the guidance of his flesh that he had listened to his whole life. He knew he needed to tune his ear to the Spirit of God and find direction there. He knew he, he needed to hear a new voice. He needed some of the things that this passage said. He, he needed joy and love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and He needed gentleness. He mostly needed self-control. And as we ate our food and listened, one thing became very, very clear to me. It's that Tim wasn't the same person. I was sitting in front of somebody that was so radically changed that I could hardly recognize him. And now Tim is involved in a church and serves faithfully there. He does his best to work with people who are trapped in some of the very addictions that he was trapped in. He's now married and and he's still messy. Like, let's just be honest. We're all still messy because there's days 
when I wake up and I want to listen to the voice of the spirit, but I'm listening to the voice of my schedule. I'm so busy listening to the voice of doing God's stuff that I never hear the voice of God. I'm, I'm so busy getting ministry done that I never take a moment to think about what God might actually intend for me to do that day. I'm so busy making myself feel important by checking things off the list that I don't take a moment to consider where the spirit might be leading me that day rather than what my planner might be leading me to that day. I'm not fully present with the people around me. I'm distracted because I'm more concerned with getting crap done than I am being in the lives of people as they walk through crap. And the reality is I'm listening to the voice of the flesh that says, Mark, Mark, you need to be important. Mark, in order to have value, you have to get stuff done. Mark, in order for God to love you, you have to be really good at ministry. Mark, in order for God to love you, your sermon better be great. In order for God to love, in order, in order. And I keep listening to those voices and they direct and they lead me not to give life, but to steal life from other people where my desire shifts from shedding light on scripture so that we can hear it and be edified and grow in our faith and it changes to trying to preach the best I can to get the most amens to get the most pats on the back so I can steal peace and gratification from your life to fill up my tank that's only filled when I'm connected to the father and we have a tank that needs filled that only filled if we're connected to the source of life but instead we go around robbing life and it changes when we tune our ear to hear the voice of the Spirit of God and we begin walking in the direction of the Spirit of God in our day-to-day -day lives. And so our lives quit looking like debauchery and quit looking like sinful pleasures and quit looking like the lust of the flesh and they quit looking like I'm an addict and they quit looking like I'm a deadbeat and they quit looking like I'm lazy and they quit looking like I'm a criminal and they quit looking like I'm a thief and they begin to look like peace and joy and love and gentleness and faithfulness, kindness, mercy, self-control. Because when we walk in direction with the Spirit, out of our lives pours forth the fruit of the Spirit, and from it, people can eat and regain spiritual life. They can be nourished. But when we tune our ear to the culture and to our sinful desires, what we reap is rotten fruit that poisons those around us rather than blessing those around us. So we have to tune our ear to the Spirit of God. And that's our next step this week. Our next step this week is I will listen to the Holy Spirit's leading in my life this week. And guys, let me just be, I will listen to the Holy Spirit's leading in my life this week. Let me just be honest with you. It, it, it's a process. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, man, I really want to listen to the Holy Spirit this week. And I just do it every day and every moment of my life, right? It's a process. I've been following Jesus in some capacity since I was eight years old. And I'll be honest with you. Most days that I wake up, I'm not tuning my ear to the Spirit of God. I'm just trying to satisfy my own personal desires for meaning and worth that day. But some days we wake up and we tune our ear to God's spirit and we hear him speak and we follow in obedience because we realize that God cares about more than where we end up when we die. He cares about how we live now because his spirit is leading us not to easy life, not to comfortable life, but to new life. Too often we want God to be like a flashlight in the woods. Like we want it, we're like a kid. 
and we're adventuring down the road at night and it's dark and there's a left and there's a right and we want to be able to take God out of our pocket and flip on the light so that we can pick the more comfortable path. But God isn't a flashlight. God is the sun. He doesn't get dictated by us. He's not controlled by the flip of a switch. We either travel in his light or we travel in the darkness. But we don't get to dictate when and where he comes out. And, and the difference between a flashlight and the brilliance of a sun is minuscule in comparison to how far God's thoughts are above mine. And the guidance, the, here's the thing, guys. If I am going to go through life, I want a guide that actually knows what the heck they're doing because I look into the world and all that I know is that nobody knows what the heck they're doing. And I don't want to be blind following someone else who's blind because you know what happens when a blind person follows a blind person or one person lost in the woods at night follows another person lost in the woods of the night. They trip and they fall. They stumble. They fall into pits. They get lost. They go off track. No, no. I want to follow the guidance of the God who knows all. And he does that through the whispering and the utterings of his spirit. And listen, I'll be honest with you. As, as, we, as we close here, can you fight back without God against your sinful nature? You sure can. Can you do it without him? Absolutely you can. I know lots of people who have like pretty good lives. They're actually happy. Some of that happiness is taken at the expense of others, but for the most part, they're a good person and they're generally day-to-day, -day, they're pretty satisfied. Can you do it without him? You can, but why would you? Why would you if you were offered a guide that knows all things and can lead you into all the things that you've ever wanted or needed and all the things that you've looked to others and substances to fulfill you, and he says, I can take you to the source of life, why would you want to follow another guide? And it would be silly for me to go through all of this and speak of the guide of the Holy Spirit but not give you the key to unlock the door. And so I gotta tell you tonight, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, if you've never put your faith in him, then perhaps tonight is the night. Perhaps this is the time to ask Jesus to come into your life and begin guiding you. And it's not gonna happen overnight. If you accept Jesus tonight, you're not gonna wake up tomorrow a completely changed person, but something will be different. There will be a newness in you because it's told in the scripture that when we come to faith in Jesus it's as though we are born again we're new and we can begin tuning our ear to the voice of the spirit and like Tim our lives might be messy and our lives might continue to be messy and more often than not we might listen to the voice of our flesh but we can tune our ear to the voice of God and we can hear his spirit whispering to us and we begin to follow him but you don't get the voice of the spirit without Jesus in your life. So if you've never embraced Jesus as Savior and Lord, and you've never said, you know what, I want to call myself a follower of the teachings and the ways of Jesus Christ, then you can do that tonight. The Bible teaches us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, meaning owner or master and Savior, meaning he saves us from sin and death, that we too can be saved. So as I close in prayer tonight, listen, you can utter any prayer that you want to God because he's listening to you. And you can ask Jesus to come into your life. Or you can repeat after me and echo the prayers that I pray. And that would be fine too. As long as you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Church family, can we pray together? Father God, I need you. I need you in my life. I need your guidance. 
And even now, I ask Jesus to come into my life and to take over. I believe that he died for me, that he rose again for me, and that he wants to be in my life. I receive that that forgiveness through grace now. And I give my life over to his lordship, his ownership, and his direction. Father God, for the rest of us here, we've tuned our ears to hear the words of the culture. We've tuned our ears to hear the inner voices that cry out and need help within our sinful nature. But we haven't often tuned our ears to hear the movement and the voice of the Spirit. And for the Galatians, they knew the voice of the Spirit because they experienced Him firsthand. And I believe, Father, that as this church, this church, Lux Digital Church, as we learn to tune our ear to the voice of the Spirit, we won't just see miraculous, we'll see supernatural things happen. We'll see healings take place with thousands of miles separating us. We'll see prophecy spoken. We'll see new life gained. We'll see people coming to faith and receiving salvation. When we tune our ear to the voice of the Spirit and we learn to walk in fellowship with Him and we learn not to take life but to give life. Instead of sucking life from others, we learn to be a conduit of your life to the world around us. Help us, God. Help us. Dad, I'll be honest. With every fiber in my being, I want to see what your apostles saw. And I want to see it in every home and in every culture and every town that Lux touches. I want to see people healed, Dad. I want to see people raised. I want to see the power of your spirit speak revival through gamers, a culture that the church has neglected and ostracized. I want to see revival burst forth through men and women who have typically been huddled around their computer screens, but when they come into relationship with you, man, they have a new life. And I pray now in faith that it will come true. And as I tune my ear to your spirit, I pray, God, that you would lead us in your ways, no matter how mysterious or strange they may seem. I love you, Lord, and I thank you. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Lux Digital Church. If Lux has been having an impact on your life, I want to encourage you to visit us at luxdigitalchurch.com and get connected to our community there. We're so thankful for you and we appreciate you. Have a blessed day and a blessed week.